Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Burko and Brentley back with you. College Golf Talk underway. It is now March, Brentley. The calendar officially has turned to March in 2021. We have seen a ton of action throughout the country for the men and the women's side. I'm starting to buy into it now. We've seen a couple of withdrawals due to COVID protocols, but I think it's going to happen. I I, I really think we're going to get pretty close to what we normally would see in the next eight to 10 weeks in college golf. I'm buying into it now. Yeah, I I think I'm with you, Burko. I was looking at some of these college basketball teams who have missed four or five, six straight events in their conference. And we, you're right, we really haven't had that in college golf. It's been as smooth sailing as it probably could be. And yeah, no complaints. And we got what, three months, something like that? More yeah. less than three months? Just under three months till we can crown a couple of champions at Greyhawk. So we're certainly looking forward to that a little bit later in this edition of our podcast. Jay Goble, the head coach of the Baylor Bears, the ladies that are perfect five for five this season. Brentley had a chance to catch up with him uh, before they get ready in South Carolina for the Lady Gamecock event. You won't want to miss that. But let's do a quick recap of what we have seen in the past couple of weeks since we uh, – joined you uh, about 14 days ago. And let's start with LSU's event. The men, again, for the most part, the SEC footprint has remained the same, but we're seeing stragglers pop in, like Illinois making a trip down from Champaign. And lo and behold, they win two for two this spring season. And you could argue what a great win or maybe what could have been for the Florida Gators as they were looking for three in a row. Uh, but shoot a million in that final round, three scores in the 80s, very similar to what Arizona State did in the final round at Pepperdine's event. I think the University Club was a little bit like Death Valley for some of these teams. I'm looking at these scores. I mean, Illinois wins at 12 over. You don't see that too often. Uh, Granted, I've never played that course. Maybe it is, uh, you know, maybe it is a pressure cooker, but uh, yeah, just a great, Great performance from Illinois. I I remember talking to Mike Small before last season, and this is a very similar roster to the one he had then. And he was basically saying we could either be really good or we could be just average. There's a lot of, there's a lot of question marks, a lot of pieces. And I think if you would ask him right now, I I, I think he would give his team an, an A plus for how they've put you know, these, these two events together, two wins, Michael Fiegel's looks like a, a player of the year candidate, uh, probably uh, entrenched now as their number one player. And then throughout the lineup, they got some experience. They got some guys who are a little younger and it should be fun to watch them as they continue to progress. And 
I always tell people having Mike Small as your head coach when you're handicapped in Illinois, that's at least what four to five shots around. Or I'm, I'm okay. Yeah, I'm okay with that. Um, you know, Mike Small uh, on my short list of of the best coaches in the country. They had that five, six, seven year run where they were every bit as good as every other team in the country. And they just couldn't win that national championship. And then you can make the argument the last two years, you wondered, was that sort of the window or was it a chance to reboot and, and sort of reload? And it might be the latter. I'm still not completely sold on it, but you do know one thing, Mike Small's team, they're going to give it their all. They're going to be in the mix. And that sounds like a cliche, but that's what he demands of them. This might be his best coaching job if they go on to make some noise at Greyhawk. This could be because those those teams a few years ago had Nick Hardy and Thomas Peters and Thomas Dietrich and those Charlie Daniels and those kind of guys. Not to dis- discredit anyone on this roster, but right now, I, I don't see any Thomas Peters on this team. No, it, it's a different atmosphere, if you will. And that doesn't mean these young men won't get better. And but. Uh, it's always, I think it's always a better product when Illinois is in the mix in a national landscape. That's my two cents on that. But again, a big statement by Illinois. Recall the Big Ten didn't see action. So this was a program and a squad that hadn't played collectively for 10, 11 months. So I think that was a huge start for 2021 for Illinois. And then last week, how about the USC women? They win the gold rush three for three in the spring. One, two, three individually. And oh, by the way, Gabby Rubble, Ruffles did leave, did turn professional. Mm-hmm. And uh, man, Justin Silverstein's team, they are making a huge statement out of the gate. Well, not to mention that they were missing three of their players from the week before due to COVID-19 protocols and contact tracing and their, their assistant coach as well. Now, again, not to discredit college golfers, but the, the field that they played against last week at the gold rush was not what they're going to face the rest of the way, but still a great performance showing that, Hey, you know, last minute, uh, something unexpected, some adversity hits us in the face and we turn around and can still win and win pretty convincingly. So definitely a good performance, but real quick, Burke, I want to go back to that LSU event. Did, did we jinx your Florida Gators uh, by having JC on the pod the last time? <laughs> they looked like they were set for three in a row. And what they shoot 22 over that yeah, three, final day? Three hole live scoring is what is, well, I guess it could be worse. It could be nine hole live scoring, but three hole live scoring, it kind of hits you all at once once those last three scores update. But, anyways, yeah, <laughs> just, just wanted surprising. to throw that in. That it, It's a reasonable jab. I'm sure JC Deacon not thrilled with that outcome, but maybe in the bigger picture that they had another chance to win a golf tournament. So yeah, uh, be could, fine. could, could bode well for them, but their fairer half, shall we say the lady Gators, they hosted their uh, home event in Gainesville, Florida and Old Miss, they tied for the team title. And how about Florida shooting two under par final day as a team without Addie Baggerly, who had a withdraw because of an infection in her left pinky of her left hand. She's actually going to have surgery on Tuesday. Should be out a couple of weeks, uh, but be okay for the Anwa on a postseason run. But for Florida to do that at home, Annabelle Fuller to win, maybe another team in the SEC to keep an eye on because we know how good Ole Miss is. I'm all in on South Carolina. LSU is really good. You're a fan of Auburn. 
the the SEC top five, six, seven teams, they're really good, Brentley. Yeah, I I think that was a good confidence booster for, for Florida to have that happen mid-tournament and then to go out and win. Annabelle Fuller is a player who I've been waiting for her to break out and deliver this type of performance. Now, the, there's one caveat. They were playing at home, but there's still no guarantees. I mean, you st- it's still 18 holes against some of the best teams in the country, and you got to bring it in order to win, and, and they did that. I, I still probably have them. I don't know if you agree, but maybe around the four to five area in terms of the SEC power rankings, and I think that's a good spot to be because that means you're – you know, top 15 nationally and in, uh, in a hunt to win it all as we get closer to May. Yeah, I think it's the right spot. South Carolina, to me, far and away the best. LSU right behind them. And then I could see Ole Auburn, Miss. Old Miss, Florida, all sort of maybe interchangeable in that three, four, five spot. So Alabama, too. The, yeah, the, we haven't the even talked about Alabama. That I, I, I think their women's team could, be, uh, could sneak up on some people. Moving ahead, big event for the men, always the Cabo Collegiate, one of the highlights of the spring. This year, though, in Texas, because of COVID pandemic, a great field, but an exemption up for grabs that intrigues you. Yeah. First off, it's it's kind of sad that I, I, I know Cabo is one of the best or one of the favorite destinations for a lot of these college teams every year, just the way that tournament treats them. But you know, they're, they're, they're still going to play a PGA tour course this year. And the winner, the individual winner is going to get an an exemption in just a few weeks time after that into the Valero Texas open the week before the masters. So looking at that field and looking at the individuals that will be competing for it, I'm just going right now, David Pooge, Kevin, Yu from Arizona state, Austin Eckrode, Oklahoma state, Oklahoma's uh, three studs that they have led by Quade Cummins, Sandy Scott, Ludwig Aberg, Texas Tech, Texas, Cole Hammer. I mean, I, I could keep going. Arizona, the, the number one team in the country. This is gonna be this is gonna be PGA tour light at TBC TPC San Antonio. And uh the person who wins this is going to definitely be deserving. And I think it's gonna go on to make the cut because the Valero Texas Open week before the Masters, probably not the field that we've seen the last couple of weeks on tour. So look for that college player to, to make some noise. Yeah. Always a great perk. You see a few events sort of popping up with that Southern Highlands in Vegas. One of the headliners not being played this spring. They've been given a spot to the Shriners the last few years. So a little extra added uh, incentive for these men on the women's side, South Carolina hosting a big one. Again, I'm all in on them. We talk about it every time. I think it's another opportunity for them to make a statement. And like Illinois did, going to LSU, how about the Baylor women putting their perfect 5-for-5 record on the line this week in the Palmetto State? They're led by their head coach, Jay Goble, who Brentley caught up with earlier this week. All right, I'm joined by the head coach of the Baylor women's golf team, Jay Goble. Actually, I, I should probably say the number one and undefeated 5-0 and Baylor Bears. How's that sound? That sounds uh, amazing. I love the way that sounds. <laughs> so, I mean, the, the first question is, how have you done it? How are you guys 5-0 and right now uh, on February 28th going into March? You know, I think there's a lot of uh, things that have happened that have allowed us to to play so well. I think, number one, 
you know, just having the opportunity to play through Baylor, the big 12, uh, through the hard work of our, our staffs. Uh, I mean, again, it's, it's not easy to be a college athlete right now. It's not easy to, to be able to go play in golf tournaments. And, uh, I think it's been pretty amazing, uh, what our staff at home has done to allow us to play, but more than anything, I, I think that, you know, Waco creates a really great environment for our players. Um, I think, you know, it's a small town and we have a great facility right on campus and a, uh, a country club just a couple miles away that we have the opportunity to play at all the time. And um, my, my entire team has actually been in online classes as well the entire semester. So we've done a lot to cut down contacts. Um, we've done a lot to uh, be able to you know, focus on golf and still be able to, to get back to their dorm rooms or to their apartment and get their, their schoolwork done. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I think that it's worked out obviously really well for us, but you know, the, the last thing I'm going to say is just that I have a team that's motivated to be good and uh, they, uh, they work really hard individually to be ready to go play in a golf tournament and um, they're, they're ready to go play individually and, um, we know that that in college golf, that when you have players who are individually working to, to do their best and to win golf tournaments, that when you actually get there, if you have that going, then uh, the rest kind of takes care of itself. What's been the most challenging part of this season? Uh, I think the most challenging part has just been the uh, – well, I mean, I, I think we've done a great job of dealing with it, but the adversity, just the difference of the way it is now in comparison to the way it was before. I mean, we're, you know, we're eating dinners in our hotel room. We're, we're staying actually, you know, we're getting players their own hotel room. Uh, we're driving to a lot of places where we wouldn't drive before. Um, it's, I think the, the, you know, it's just not the way it was before. Um, thankfully for us, we have three freshmen on the team who don't really know the way it was before. But um, you know, it's 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 been quite a quite a bit different. Just literally everything we've done. I uh, I was telling my assistant coach yesterday. I'm like, you know, I've only been on a plane one time in the last year. Hmm. Uh, that's that's really different for a college golf coach. You know, I mean. I think I was on a plane a hundred times a year, maybe even more the last 10 or 15 years. And uh, yeah, it was just strange even going to the airport, but um, you know, as you can see in their golf and as you can see in the way my team's played recently, I mean, they don't, they don't let the small things bother them and, and they, uh, they deal really well with adversity and uh, you know, that's, that's why I think we're playing great. I'm glad you mentioned the three freshmen because you've yeah. had a very sim similar lineup for all but one event. And that's included, included three freshmen. How, just yes. talk a little bit about their maturity, their level of skill and just how they've been able to assimilate into this lineup and play so well for you guys. Yeah, they, they've been amazing. I mean, last week, uh, the way that Britta Snyder and Rosie Belsham played, I mean, they, uh, 
again, I, I think they assimilate well because they play golf for themselves. They play golf to win individually. Um, you know, something that I have going on on my team right now that, that I actually haven't had a lot of the last probably five years is that I have all five players in my current lineup want to play golf professionally for a living. Um, I think that, you know, as college coaches, we're, we're sometimes coaching athletes, student athletes that during this time of their life, they, they might decide that some other passion takes them maybe a little bit away from golf or, or that they see the, you know, maybe the ends near at some point or something like that. But, you know, the, the five players I have in my lineup right now, you know, this is just the beginning of their, you know, preparation for their professional career in golf. And, um, that's the way they prepare. And that's the way that's a little bit different than, uh, than the last couple of years is that the five players traveling every week, I would, I, you know, I, I give them a lot of free time to work on their game, but I wouldn't have to schedule anything um, because they work, you know, they work harder than any schedule I would put together. And uh, that's, that's really fun to watch when you know that, Hey, I, I don't have to tell, or I don't have to ask somebody to go work on their putting, or I don't have to ask somebody to go play golf. Like they, you know, like we had a day or two off last week and, and, you know, I live right off the ninth hole of the golf course and I see my players going by and I see them working on their game and um, they're, 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 they like the feeling that they have right now. And they're going to continue that by making sure that they're prepared every week to go. Being such, you know, hard workers, how much did uh, this winter storm that you guys had a couple weeks ago, how much did that, kind of knock your team back a little bit you know it's funny I, I I don't think that it actually knocked my team back I think that it was probably a blessing in disguise in, in the fact that you know they do work so hard that you know I think it, it kind of forced everyone and I would say including myself um it forced us all to to kind of take a minute and relax and um, we were all pretty much snowed in our house for five days, which, um, you know, I've lived in Waco for 10 years and I don't think we've had as much snow in the 10 years combined as we had, uh, two weeks ago. Um, it, it was definitely a blessing in disguise for us to, to kind of get a little rest and, and, um, I, I, not that we have any injuries, but, you know, as golfers, like your back gets sore, your arms get sore have, uh, you know, from, from overuse and playing a lot. And I think that it kind of gave everybody a, a minute to sit back and, and take a break. Um, I know that after this event, we actually have a scheduled week off and, um, we don't have spring break at, at Baylor this year. They, they actually started classes later and took the spring break away, but, um, you know, I decided with my assistant coach, Carly, that um, we felt that we needed to build in a week to, to get rested before the last um, push before postseason. And uh, so so they don't have anything scheduled next week when they get back. And it's going to be another just a just a pause button for a minute. And um, I think obviously the way we played in Houston last week, it worked out like they um we did go and, and play a practice round and another round before the practice round. So 
we got out of the snow and and we got on grass and and we played a you know a 18 hole round for fun on saturday and then played our practice round and you know we did get off to a slow start in houston but um you know i think the the will to win and the competitiveness in my team just kind of kicked in and you know they uh they turned it on like crazy i mean i, I believe we were six over par after the first five holes and, yeah. and finished 24 under for the tournament. So that's always nice. They turned it around. <laughs> they turned it around. Have you noticed when you guys show up at events now, have you noticed that teams are receiving you differently than maybe they did at event number one back in the fall? And also how is the belief and confidence and atmosphere back at home? How's that? How's all of that changed since the start of this season? Uh, I would say the answer to that is yes to your first question. I mean, I, I think that um, when you're up on a perch, you're playing well, you know, people, people, not that they want you to fail, but they, they're competitive. Like we're all competitive here. Um, all of us coaches, all the players, we're all, you know, wanting to win and, and wanting to be number one. So um, I would say, I, I mean, you know, it's not like anybody's mean, but it's like, hey, there's Baylor. They got a great team. Like, um, w we have to really get ready because they're going to be ready. And I think I see a little more of that, you know, um, than anything else. You know, I, uh, I feel obviously like I'm walking around with confidence and I know my team is walking around with confidence because they know they're prepared to, to come out and play well. And, um, yeah, you know, I, I can feel that we're walking that way. I don't, I don't really, you know, I can't speak for anybody else how they're perceiving us, but I know that, um, that my team does have a lot of, uh, of swagger and confidence and belief in themselves. Mm -hmm. Uh, as far as back home, man, it's been great. You know, like, uh, men's basketball did lose to Kansas last night, but you know, First men's basketball first loss of the season, you know, they've been undefeated, um, since they started playing back and we've been undefeated and, um, yeah, you know, there's, a, there's a lot of, you know, there's a lot more zoom opportunities and phone calls and, and, uh, you know, I'm doing a lot more coaches shows and stuff like that in Waco, <laughs> but, um, it's great. You know, I, I think that with the golf channels involvement in golf and, and, you know, since we played in the national championship match back in 2015, I think that, um, you know, it's highlighted golf, it's highlighted men's and women's golf. And, um, it's, it's definitely more in the public's eye these days. And, you know, us being around the country club and being around other people that play golf is, uh, they know how we're doing and they know how great we're doing. And, uh, you know, I, I get a few more texts than I, than I usually do, but, uh, it's been great at home. Yeah. Um, you know, in 2015, I know the club that we play at, you know, there was like 200 people in the, in the grill watching us play that final match against Stanford in 2015. And, and I know that, um, you know, when we get to Greyhawk later on in the year, it, it'll be, there'll be a ton of support, not only there and, you know, if they allow us to have fans at Greyhawk, I, I would venture to say we'll have quite a few fans come out there and watch us play as well. You do a great job of segueing into my next question. I actually have the golf channel on mute right now, <laughs> and they're showing okay. the final round of the WGC and Colin Morikawa's win at concession, which is obviously where you guys finished national yeah. runner-up. 
I guess it's six yeah. years ago now. It doesn't seem like it's been yeah. that long. But how does yeah. this this year's team remind you a little bit of that team? And in what ways are they different? Are there some ways where this team is is better than that 2015 squad? Yeah, I think that uh, the the similarities are in the the self motivation, the the fact that you know back then Haley Davis, Dylan Kim, Giovanna Maimon, Laura Lenardi, like they they were very motivated to to, to go out and play really good golf, and and uh, you know I think the similarities also lie in the fact that if one of them did have an off day or one of them for some reason was not very motivated to be out there, then uh, the rest of the team would pull them up and pull them like, Hey, you know, I know you're having a bad day. Like we still need to, uh, to get prepared. Um, Let's go do it together. Let's go have a chipping match together. Let's go play nine holes together. I think those are a lot of the similarities. I mean, I think those are teams that you dream about as a coach you know, the, the teams that you don't have to motivate to do the things that uh, need to be done to get prepared for events. And, and that's that's definitely a similarity between uh, 2015 and now. Um, I would say the, the, the differences and the biggest difference is the depth in our team. Uh, in 2015, you know, my, my players, one through four, they counted – I mean, I can't remember the exact stat, but it was like 94% of the rounds for the year um, came from my one through four player. Um, you know, this year we've had, you know, five team wins. We've had four individual uh, wins by three different players. Um, you know, last week, two of the freshmen both finished in the top five in a good field. So uh, the depth in our team one through five is unbelievable. Um, the crazy thing is I actually have two players at home who also have, uh, 72 and a half scoring averages in tournaments this year who are struggling and, and can't make the lineup right now. So, um, that is, that is the biggest difference is that, you know, going into the lineup back home, I mean, uh, Nina Lang, who's, you know, probably our sixth player right now, uh, she's played in three or four events for us as an individual. And she is, uh, she has a 72 scoring average in tournaments in those four events. So um, that is, that is the biggest difference that we have going on right now. How does this team project on desert golf? What the NCAA is at Greyhawk in May and um, you know, do, do any of your players have experience? Um, Have you, have you played desert golf in the past couple couple years? And uh, yeah, how do you uh, see your team faring on that kind of golf? You know, I, I really like honestly believe that they're so good that yeah, that you could take them to play golf on the moon and they would figure <laughs> out how to shoot a good score. Exactly. Um, we are going. Our plan is uh, on March 16th. We're flying to Tucson. We're going to play in Mountain Views, the Mountain View event in Tucson, which is uh, hosted by Kansas State. Um, we're going to stay in Tucson and Phoenix area for four or five days after that, go play Greyhawk uh, a couple times. And then we're going to go play in uh, Arizona State's event at Papago. Um, so we're going to, we're actually flying out on the 16th and back on the 
28th, I believe. So we're going to stay 12 days in the desert and uh, try to get a try to get a good feel for for Greyhawk and for Desert Golf and um, you know the differences that they may have. I uh, I know that Gerling Core has played in the Thunderbird. Uh, I also know Rosie Belsham on my team from England has played in some uh, Nick Faldo series events that were also out in Arizona last year. So I think a few of them have have some experience out there. I know uh, LOD Chapelet, who's from France, she went and played uh, in talk, Talking Stick in uh, one of the Golf Week events, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, over the holidays. So you know, they've tried to get out there. I know that, you know, our plan all along has been to try to get some experience on desert, uh, desert golf at the end of the year here before postseason. And, um, yeah, you know, I, again, I, I feel good that put a golf course in front of us and we'll figure out how to shoot a good score out there. But I think that, um, the trip on the 16th, like I said, we're planning on taking a week off after this and then, uh, and then we're going to, hit the home stretch starting in Arizona for two weeks. Mm-hmm. So five tournament wins in a row to start the season. You guys are obviously playing this week in South Carolina against a loaded field that includes yeah. South Carolina, Ole Miss, uh, Duke, Wake Forest. Um, and I saw where obviously the lineup hasn't really changed, but are there any other superstitions, any other things you guys are doing to try to keep the momentum and keep this winning mojo going? You know, I, I think that golfers by nature are kind of creatures of habit. And, uh, you know, I am probably the most superstitious one of the group. Um, trying to, I'm trying to wean myself off of that a little bit. But, um, yeah, we're at a sushi restaurant right now. Um, it's kind of a typical deal. Before the first round, we, we go to a sushi restaurant and uh, and then go have ice cream afterwards. So I'm sure we'll find a frozen yogurt place or a cold stone here pretty, pretty quickly. All right. um, What's your go-to sushi roll? So I'm the only one that doesn't eat sushi. <laughs> I had chicken teriyaki and they all have sushi rolls. All right. So, ice cream yeah. flavor. What, what's your go-to ice cream? Ice cream. I'm just going to have anything with lots of peanut butter cups on top of it. So I was going to say, you know, I, know, probably, I know for yeah. a fact you like ice cream. <laughs> yeah. It's going to be uh yeah, it's going to be vanilla with a lot of Reese cups and uh, hot fudge and maybe even some peanut butter sauce if they have that. Awesome. So, and I, I'm sure you guys yeah. like to celebrate with some ice cream, too, after some wins. We have. We've been, uh, you know, that's that would be our probably one definite superstition is that not a superstition, but we are uh, we're going to celebrate with some ice cream. So we uh, yeah, we've hit it up every time after we've left town. Well, the Alabama men's team celebrates with milkshakes. I guess we're going to have to have ice cream in the Baylor Bears corner. So awesome, Jay. Well, hey, thanks for coming on. Uh, This podcast will be posted Wednesday. So hopefully we'll be uh, at at that point. You guys will be six for six. That would be great. That's the plan. Awesome, Jay. Take care. Thank you. Thanks for having me. All right. There we have it, Burko. Baylor Bears celebrate with ice cream, eat ice cream and sushi before an event. Obviously we're talking now. We don't know if they've won yet. Hopefully they, they will be celebrating, but what's, what's your favorite ice cream, Burka? 
Mine's, well, mine's pistachio. That. I really like pistachio. Ooh. Yo, that, that, you're an outlier there. Uh, give me cookies and cream. Give me mint chocolate chip. But it's a weakness of mine. You give me a chocolate shake, I'm all in. You give me a malt or a shake day in, day out. Luckily, I've realized that th my seasoned age, you can't do that all the time and not pay I'm for not it. I'm not quite there yet. No, you're not. You're, you're, you're just a youngster get, getting ready to make a, a big step in your life. But uh, I love sushi. I love ice cream. Um, you know, I'm hearing chocolate chip cookie dough is the only right answer from, from, from voices in our head. So, you know, a lot of good options. But, but Jay Goble, a great guy. Amazing to think that it was six years ago at the concession where we just saw the PGA Tour this past week. They gave Stanford everything they could ever have hoped for. And it's still one of the best shots I've ever seen, period, anywhere, any level. Haley Davis, second from the junk on 16. She could have fatted it, could have sculled it, could have bladed it, could have whiffed it, and hit it five feet and made birdie. Still one of the greatest shots I've ever seen considering the circumstances. Yeah, but she did go on to lose the match. Well, Stackhouse did finish birdie birdie on 17 yeah, and 18. Great, great match. And I, I still remember those that 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 just electric atmosphere after after Stanford won and, and the picture of Shannon Aubert looking like she was, you know, had just won like a UFC fight. I, I think that was a golf <laughs> week photo, maybe, but that that still is very uh it, it seems like yesterday. Yeah. Looking forward to uh, Greyhawk three months from now. Speaking of match play, the Walker Cup, just over two months away at Seminole. We sort of knew what most of the team was going to look like on our last podcast. We had our thoughts and ideas of who would fill in that squad. It was announced on Monday morning, and uh, I think we were pretty good uh, with our estimation of who would round out the, uh, the American team for uh, Captain Nathaniel Crosby. Yeah, let's let's run down the the team real quick. You got Tyler Strafacci, the former Georgia Tech player, U.S. Amateur winner. Georgia's Davis Thompson, Florida's Ricky Castillo, Florida State's John Pack, who we already knew were on the team based on their world world amateur golf ranking from earlier this month. And then rounding out the team, Texas teammates Pearson Cootie, Cole Hammer, uh, mid amateur Stuart Hagestead, a USC alum that was a long time ago. It's hard to believe Hagestead's almost thirty years old. And oh, then, God, oh, what do you think that's old? Oh, gosh, he's almost 30 years old. Says the kid's still in his 20s. Hey, I know I'm 30 right now. Oh, I, well, you I, are an I'm, old man. I'm 30 and feeling every bit of it. So I, I, I'm not, I don't have voices in my head like you, though, Burka, talking about voices. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that comes in your early 40s. <laughs> Anyways, Oklahoma's Quade Cummins, Oklahoma State's Austin Ekro, and then the final spot, I believe, uh, went to Pepperdine's William Mao. He's the, believe it or not, that number 23 in the World Amateur Golf Ranking, which is pretty good. Um, that That's the, the worst-ranked player on this squad. You got four top 10 players, and no one ranked outside the top 23. So Great Britain and Ireland's going to have their hands full. Probably also should sh shout out the two alternates, uh, Mac Meisner from SMU, who I think out of everyone who didn't make the team probably had the best argument to be on that squad. He won the Southern Am last year, but of course fired that very impressive first round at Bandon Dunes and crazy conditions in the afternoon. 
I thought he may have deserved a spot, but I really have no complaints. And then the second alternate is Oklahoma's Garrett Reband, who, had he not broken his hand last summer, we may have been talking about two different sets of teammates on this team. But unfortunately, he'll be second alternate. And other than that, maybe I, I heard some people online maybe had a little bit of issues about Preston Summerhays, the the, the junior who won the Sunihana last summer and was runner up at that Merido event. But, I, you know, I, I just don't see a junior. It doesn't, it doesn't happen with, without, without doing something special like Akshay did or Jordan speed. Yeah. It, it's a rarity to see that youngster not in high or excuse me, not in college yet earn the spot, not saying it couldn't happen. Um, but likely he'll get his think, chances later. Yeah, yeah. Preston's he'll, he'll gonna have an opportunity or two down the road, but it feels like the right bunch in years past. We could argue about John Peterson or Sam Burns in 2017. It feels like the committee got this right. That there's no glaring omission to your point of, oh my goodness, that guy couldn't have done anything else to get on the team. So I know you and I are excited to head down there in a couple months to Seminole. Yeah, I, I don't know if it seems like it's the right 10 guys just because we haven't seen a lot of golf. We haven't seen a lot of measuring sticks where all these guys are playing together like they normally do during the summer. So, But at the same time, it's going to be very tough. It's going to be very tough to beat this team. I know the Great Britain and Ireland figures to have some pretty good players, a few college guys. Sandy Scott probably will be on that team. The Wake Forest guys, Power and Fitzpatrick, Angus Flanagan. So it, it'll be good. I, I, I think we're going to have two very loaded 10 man teams and it should be fun to, to get down there. What, uh, what's the counter at now? Is it, does it, are we inside nine weeks yet or just inside 10 weeks? Yeah, I'm going to go just inside 10 weeks. The calendar says March we're looking. Yeah, I, I think 10. So we could say we're ballpark in the 68 to 70 day range. And as quickly as this year has already moved on, we're in March. Uh, it will be here before we know it. And it will be intriguing for a Walker cup match to be played in May. We've covered a ton of these and it's always early to mid September. But if you want Seminole as a venue, Seminole closes its doors during the summer well, you make the adjustment, you find that little window before regionals for the men in the NCAAs, and it will work. So uh, congrats to those young men for officially making the team. That's going to wrap up this edition of College Golf Talk. We'll be back uh, in a couple weeks with another impressive podcast. We'll, we'll get some go- another great guest, right? I feel like we're going we're gonna to dig deep and, and see who we bring on uh, next go-around. Yeah, maybe we can bring on some of these Walker Cup guys. That should be fun. Yeah, you're talking. I like it. Until next time, take care, everyone. Dietz and Watson's been making meats and cheeses the right way since forever. What's that mean? It means never cutting corners, ever. It means cooking, not processing. It means our Virginia brand ham that's cooked to perfection, then twice baked to layer the flavors. It takes more time, but you can taste the difference. We come to work every day to do it the right way, even if it's the hard way. Because if it's not right for us, it's not right for you. Dietz and Watson, it's a family thing since 1939. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem 
of a detour.